thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And welcome back to our next podcast on the thyroid. Mm. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the thyroid, but we didn't actually get to the bottom of it. We didn't get to the end of it. So this week, we're going to go another step further, and we're going to explore the autoimmune diseases and the the, the functionality of the thyroid and how that affects the general and overall health of the body. So, Cindy, over to you, girlfriend. Oh, thanks. Work it, baby. Work it. Let's clear up a few things. Yeah, I think that's what we were going to do first, because we we kind of were questioning a few things, and we said, we'll get back to you on that one. So, Kim, what was the first one? Um, The magnesium sulfate Mm. versus the magnesium chloride. Epsom salts is actually magnesium sulfate, and then the spray is magnesium chloride. We did a bit of research together this week, and we've decided that you should use both. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got a mouthful. I'm just just saying. She's trying very hard to cover that up, but she's got a mouthful of a seed cracker and And she only threw that to me because she's getting a shower. I was trying to get my mouth cleared of the seed. (laughs) We we made these beautiful... Well, Mm. we... Pump face, Kim. <laughs> Kim made these beautiful seeded crackers mm-hmm. with a kale pesto. Oh, it's just stunning. Just, so, to, before we go into the thyroid, can we just get clear on the because this kale is probably pesto? really good for the thyroid because mm. it's got seaweed salt mm-hmm. in it and it's got some beautiful herbs in there that mm-hmm. were put in your garden, mm-hmm. which you have lots of iodine in because you've thrown seaweed down, right? I also throw my kombucha. Yeah. Am I talking about kombucha again? <laughs> um, the mother. I put her in my garden. You're obsessed with that, Scobie. I love kombucha. Mm. I love it. We could do a whole podcast on kombucha and how to make it and everything. I reckon if oh, people want we? it, oh, my God, I could so talk about kombucha and all its effects and benefits and... Oh, no, we could talk about... Kombucha is just, to me, one of those wonderful foods. Well, it's a fermented food. I love it. Which is one of the things that heals the gut, mm-hmm. which helps you do everything else that you need to do. Well, can we try um, and fit that in today? If we can, we'll, 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 we'll put that in. But let's let's make sure we finish the track. thyroid and we stay on track. <laughs> but And we um, have already gone off track because we're talking <laughs> about what we're eating right now. It's your fault. Um, so I just... I love making food that's live and medicinal. And so for me, it was, we were talking last week a lot about the salt, and I thought there's a number of foods that I make with salt. And so this week, that's why I brought with you to you girls, I made a kale pesto, which is a bunch of kale, a bunch of basil, a bunch of parsley, actually no parsley, sorry, I used mint, which gives it that nice oh, little fresh, flavor. that green, gorgeous. A mm. couple of cloves of garlic, lemon juice, nice teaspoon of Cindy's beautiful seaweed salt, um, and some Inca Inchi oil. Um, That's then, it. Mm, ca- uh, cashews? And cashews, sorry. Sorry, and you can also add a, um, a little bit of um, feta or parmesan cheese if you wanted to. If you're vegan or you don't want to have any dairy products, you then just omit it. No, what you'd put in is that nutritional yeast. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Um, these recipes, by the way, if you follow me on um, Instagram, which is like chocolate for women, I put up a recipe a day on Instagram. Um, and I know Cindy's Changing Habits Instagram page does the same. And so if you ever do want these recipes that we love to use, then by all means go for that. And the crackers are a whole bunch of seeds um, that I then mix with chia seeds and um, some water. Again, this recipe is up on my Instagram page. Um, and you then spread it all out on a oven tray, like a really flat, very as thin as you can go, 
You cook it for 30 minutes on 160 degrees, and then halfway through, so at 30 minutes, you turn it over, cut it into the cracker-sized pieces that you want, and then cook it for another 30 minutes, and, and it dries. Oh, yum. And they're like a meal on a plate. So oh, this I is agree. Kale. This is lunch today, girls. This is kale pesto with sea crackers. But again, the, the crackers have got a lot of salt in them. That's what... It makes them feel so nice and tasty. So to me, this is the the best way to get nutritional supplements into my kids and into my family. Um, so just back to the magnesium sulfate, magnesium chloride. We both we all decided that in fact. It's not that one is better than the other. Um, I think it's ideal to have both. But what I do know, Cindy, is that the topical application of magnesium chloride is better, works better in the body, on the body and in the body than taking it orally. And what I've been told by my magnesium expert is using magnesium chloride on the body as a spray every day for a month would have the same effects over a year taking it orally. So to me, it's like get it onto the body every day in every way. Mm. And apparently you can't OD on magnesium chloride in a spray. Just be aware that magnesium chloride is like a salt. It is one of the salt families. So when you place it on the skin neat, you, you spray it, it can feel a bit itchy. Um, and that's it's the same thing as if you've had a swim in the ocean, you've hopped out, you laid on the beach and dried, your skin goes a bit prickly. Yeah, that's yeah. the salt. So it's the same feeling. So some people find that that salt, the magnesium spray, feels a bit more prickly than on others if you've got a bit more sensitive skin. And trust me, it stings if you've got a cut or a wound or something. Mm-hmm. But it's like putting salt on the wound. Or if you think it's your spritzer and oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. spray it on your face yeah, yeah, yeah. as a spritzer. I've done that once and once only and I will never do it again. But let me say mm-hmm. this though, even doing that is one of the best things you can put on your face as a, every now and again as a little treatment is magnesium chloride onto the face. Um, so my 30 minutes of swimming is very good because magnesium is, is also, you look stunning. <laughs> <laughs> you only look 72 now. <laughs> Um, But the other thing to remember, magnesium apparently is one of the most important minerals to release DHEA, which is our youth hormone, which is why people look so young and sprightly when they've got all of these minerals in balance. I guess it's like anything, isn't it? Not just magnesium on its own, but but certainly by using it daily, I love it. And I love it as part of your full-phase fat elimination Mm. protocol, which is why I have it as part of the kits because I believe it's actually one of the most important um, products to be using on the skin from what we learned when we did it. Yeah. You know, it's really um, interesting that, you know, we've now started to talk about the Epsom salts and the magnesium salts and the spray and then you just said to me, you know, when you get out of the ocean you have that, um, it's almost like you're tightening up prickling feeling. So every morning I get in at Malulaba Beach and I swim the kilometre to the other end and then we have to walk back. By the time I'm back... I do feel that that prickly, and I just need to get that off me, um, that salt off me, so I have a shower. But you know what's really interesting? I was driving with my daughter yesterday, and I said, darling, have you noticed my skin? You know, I said, look at my skin on my legs. Like, it's, it's become really um, soft, and even my elbows... They don't have that crusty feel on them. They've become really, really soft. Mm. And I was, you know, when I was doing my research on the iodine, that they were basically saying that a swim in a cold ocean is the best thing you can do for your thyroid. Oh, wow. Because not only are you absorbing the minerals that are, that are in the ocean, but the coldness, which is called cold thermogenesis, which is coined by a neurosurgeon by the name of Dr. Jack Cruz, who has a cold thermogenesis... Um, uh, protocol so it was like I you know I just I just feel like that this this challenge for the triathlon 
you know, and I'm the swimmer, has done more for me than just, you know, what I'm doing right now. So it's really, really fascinating. And I'm loving the fact that last week we talked about these four areas to treat autoimmune disease or, or this thyroid conditions. And remember, it was physical, nutritional, chemical and mental mm. or emotional or spiritual. And I think if you can, if when you have a, a goal, like doing a triathlon that we're doing, or you're gonna run a half marathon or even a 5K run, or you're gonna do a 1.5 kilometer swim or a 40K cycle, whatever it is, this is the beauty of challenges. You think that's what makes you do it. Yeah. But you have no idea. It's like the bee in the pollen when you tell that story about mm. the bee, how you know it doesn't realise the impact it has on so many areas. So just explain the bee story. Well, the bee just I love how she throws this at me. I probably haven't told this story in years, but it, <laughs> it's coming back, Kim. It's coming back. So the bee's well, the bee, purpose. Yes. The bee's I always ask the question when I'm I speak. I say, Well, you know, what is the bee's purpose in, in life? What is it doing? What does it love to do? And everyone says Collect it, pollen it collects it, they say it collects pollen, but it doesn't. It doesn't know anything about the pollen. What it does is it collects honey, nectar, mm. to take back to the queen bee, to feed the queen bee so it can make more bees. But while it's doing what it loves and it's made to do, it collects this pollen and goes from one flower to the next, pollinating flowers, not really understanding its greater purpose. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Here we are training for a triathlon. And look at how much we've researched lately over autoimmune mm. disease, all of us, um, by having a thing like doing a silly little thing like a triathlon yeah. and yet look at the greater purpose of what it's taught us and, and noticing our skin and noticing things like the what we're eating, putting extra salt on things and yet for years we're conditioned to think that salt's the worst thing in the world to eat. Whereas it's, it's to me it's one of the most important things but remembering we're having to balance it out with That's water. Right. The problem was that salt became a problem because of sugar. Yes. Um, and when you do a sugary soda drink with salt then that's where you're going to have the issues. But you have salt and water throughout the day um, and water can be in your foods as well you know your fruits your vegetables uh, and things like that but there there are other ways you know like the ocean like our epsom baths like our magnesium all of these things are ways that we can get that salt in that's that's really really important now kimmy i went off track because we were talking about autoimmunity that's right so one of the things with uh, the thyroid is that you know I don't, like we said in the beginning of last week, the thyroid is becoming a real issue. Everybody seems to have hyper or hypo thyroidism. And what we're realizing now that most hyper and hypos is a result of two diseases known as Graves' disease and Hashimoto's disease. And we're realizing more and more that these are autoimmune diseases. And one of the things that I've learned for the last two years since I've been on my quest with grain, wondering what why grain has become such a problem, is that Hashimoto's and um, Graves' disease, if you have those two diseases, one of the first things your doctor should be telling you to do is to completely go off all gluten. Right. And, and do not... Do not consume gluten again. So what do, what effect does it have? Like how does how does gluten play a part in that? Well, well, what happens is that we have an autoimmune disease, and we have explained this probably a year ago. But let's just explain it again for those who need um, it repeated seven times. Was that how many times? I think it's about that. We're yes. allowed to repeat seven times. I think we can. I think, before I think, they're allowed to go mad at us. I think we just go nuts. <laughs> we go nuts. All right, so what we know about an autoimmune disease is it's, is it's when the body starts to attack itself. 
It doesn't know friend from foe. It's it's or enemy. It doesn't has no idea what is happening with regards to what is right and what is wrong. And this is how it does it. So let's say that your gut lining is not very um, hasn't got a great integrity and it's got a few holes in it and they call that leaky gut or um, you know they call it there's another thing that they call it too it's where the kissing joints open up anyway what happens is that you have these peptides that are not digested properly move out of the digestive tract into the blood system and then the immune system goes, hang on, this is an enemy. Yeah. I need to get rid of this polypeptide, which is made up of amino acids. I need to get rid of this poly, you know, this polypeptide. And it starts to attack it. Now, if you just eat that food once and that peptide gets into your system once because of a small break in your, your gut lining, then that's the end of that. The immune system gets rid of it. It's happy. It calms down. But when you start firing at breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, no matter what the food is, the peptide, and, and you know, what I'm learning is that gluten is one of the problems. When your digestive system doesn't have, an, um, it doesn't have the integrity it should have, lots of peptides get through. These peptides look very similar to what your thyroid looks like or your pancreas looks like. So that's type 1 diabetes or your joints look like and so or connective tissue and and so that starts to be rheumatoid arthritis where you know you get very painful joints and they start to change shape. Uh, it is also dementia. If you look at um, the book Grain Brain, he talks about it. So this is an autoimmune disease. So one of the things that they have indicated for the autoimmune diseases of the thyroid, which is Graves and Hashimoto's, is basically gluten is a real issue and to completely get off gluten so that includes wheat and barley and um, rye and any oats that are contaminated or any other grains that are contaminated and we don't even know what's contaminated with gluten so I always say to people look just get off grains to begin with and that includes milk too doesn't it well milk has casein in it which is yeah. a mimic of gluten yeah yeah, casein A2, I was here. I was well, reading that's about A2 that. the A2 milk that they're trying to tell you to buy, is it? Is that oh, look, casein A1, I, casein A1. It's a, it's a, it's a beta casein A1, and it's a, it's a protein inside of the milk that mimics the gluten. And people who are gluten intolerant have got no idea that milk is yeah. one of the, the culprits. casein could be a, could be a mimic. Um, also, there are a lot of other things that could be mimics too, including quinoa, which is something that a lot of people go to when they go off yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Look, there is testing in America, but not Australia at the moment for this, and it's through um, a testing lab called Cyrex Labs. And Australia doesn't have it yet, and I'm actually going to the US um, tomorrow. And Tart. Uh, yes. Tart. Yes, I will be up to the US tomorrow, and I'm going to bring Cyrex. Can't wait for your present. Can't wait for our present. Oh, my God. Mind you, I'm going to Denver shortly, so I'll be bringing you back a little prize too. I'm going to Perth. Could you bring back snow? Oh, that would be so uber. <laughs> Can, if I'm in, so, so do you know where that testing lab is? Uh, it's in, the main one's in Arizona, but they're all over America, Cyrex labs. And the, what they do is that they test for autoimmune diseases. So they test for the antibody against the thyroid, against the pancreas, against the brain, against that. They do, they're doing 25 at the moment. And I actually have that in my hunter-gatherer um, elimination protocol about all of the mimics um, to these autoimmune diseases. But let's just, like, we're sticking with the thyroid. So number one, 
for any autoimmune disease, especially if you have a thyroid condition and your doctor has not told you, it's because he doesn't know. Yeah. You know, um, we met the most beautiful girl. I don't know mm. if we talked about... Did we talk about this gorgeous medical student that we met? No. She's not even a student. She's an intern. No, we haven't talked this story. I wrote it in a blog on your... You on did your too. Thing, but I don't think we've spoken about it. So this is how much your medical doctor knows about nutrition. So we met the most beautiful intern. Um... From, and she's just her first year out, first month out. She's, you know, at Nambour Hospital. And I and I leaned over to her as we're having coffee. She's joined our swimming group and I leaned over to her as Nutter. we're having coffee. <laughs> what did you say? Nutter. Who swims? Who swims, I know. She runs. Who runs? You do. <laughs> anyway, anyhow, or any who, as you would say. Anywho. I, I leaned across to her and I said, Emma. Oops, I said her name. Oh, well, Emma, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> but I leaned across to her and I said, sweetie, how much nutrition did you do in your six years of university? And she put her eyes in the air and, and she looks at me then and she goes, I think I did a little in gastro in first year. It w- if anything, it would have been a semester and it would have all been related to gastric Gastro. 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 Well, g- gastro. So she's learning the anatomy or physiology of gastro. So she would have learned that an amino acid or a protein had to be digested into an amino acid. That would have been the extent. And there was a recent survey, they said that um, between two and 24 hours is all that medical doctors do in their six years. So the fact that That's they... That's insane. That's insane. Well, honey, I was but it's, my... it's, not their, it's not their bag. It's not what they do. But I was yeah, at, at my osteopath the other day, and he said he had a doctor in with him, and they do 12 weeks of anatomy and seven years, 12 weeks. 12 weeks of anatomy. We did two years in chiropractic. Wow. We did two years of human anatomy. Okay, everybody, just in case you can hear some background noise. There we go. Kimmy's trying to shut the door now. (laughs) It was just the garbage truck. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, he said the same thing. So, you know, these Nutrition or anatomy you're talking about? Anatomy, Anatomy. you see. Anatomy. Because osteopaths do the same thing as chiropractic. Yeah, so osteopaths study heaps. He was saying what his expertise was, but he was saying GPs. Oh, GPs. Only do. Oh, excuse me. I thought you were talking about um, osteopath because I know they do two years. Okay, 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 okay. He was just saying this is why we need to understand that not knocking doctors, but they, they, That's not their expertise. Their expertise a lot of the time is pharmacology, understanding how yeah. the drugs work in the body. But diagnosis and treatment yeah. of a disease. Yeah. So they, they don't know nutrition unless they've gone out there and searched it. So when she told me this, I, I, was, I was in shock because she's a, a first-year in, you know, intern out in 2014. This, we've known about gluten and the thyroid gland since about 2006, 2007, I think the research started. And so every single person with Hashimoto's or, um, or Graves' disease should not be on gluten. Nor should they, they should have done a complete elimination diet um, and had the testing for all these other um, issues that they're having at the moment. Um, funny you should say that. I had a lady email me the other day saying that her son, um, he's a primary school boy, hyperactive, full-on, and she said his skin keeps coming up in a rash. And I just sort of went back to her and she said, have you got any products for that? And it's funny for me, whenever I look at the skin, the skin to me is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so my first question back to her is, what is his diet like? What's his stress levels like? How's he sleeping? Um, Is he a happy, has he got a happy persona? And she said, well, to be honest with you, she goes, I'm a bit surprised that 
you're asking me about nutrition when I thought you'd have a product. <laughs> she wasn't saying it awfully. She was just like, oh my God, I can't believe your first question is nutrition. And I thought, wow, people, we have to get that. Mm-hmm. The skin is the final expression of what's happening. Anyway, it turned out, and I said to her, does, and then my final question was, with his mood swings, I said, um, is he, does he eat wheat? And she said, not a lot, although my husband did was concerned this morning. She goes, actually, dot, 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 he does have this white bread that we get from Coles. Oh, um, wow. And my husband this morning said he was really, he, he actually was the first time he'd looked at the ingredients and couldn't believe all the numbers and names. And then, so I went back and I said, one of the first things I'd be looking at for a skin condition is to actually get off wheat and sugar and looking at the amount of fats, the good fats that you're getting into your body because the skin needs fat. Um, so again, maybe all of that, and maybe this, his skin, and maybe, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I do believe the skin is whispering to you. You know, when you're getting these rashes or, or things happening to the body, listen, it's, it's often a thing of what's going on with the gut. Um, definitely. Oh, definitely. The gut. And what people don't realize is that the gut is outside the body. It's not inside the body. Now, I know that sounds really odd, but from the mouth to the anus, it is the external part of the body. And it joins in with the skin. If you look at where your anus and your mouth go, it's all with the Hopefully skin. Hopefully not together. So between the skin, <laughs> oh between my. the skin and the gut, is where most of your immune system is mm. to protect you. So what's happening in the you gut? You have to explain that to me again. I really I got you lost with that. I got lost when you mentioned anus. <laughs> <laughs> explain that to me again. How the gut's outside the body? So from <laughs> mouth, mouth. So mouth is outside. Mouth. Well, lips. Yeah, look, if you open up. It's on the outside. I just opened my mouth if anybody was wondering and, what I was doing. And really, really loud. Really big. Yeah. Yeah. And I put, and I probably just had a few little seeds in between the teeth. <laughs> no, you're all good. <laughs> but what it is, is that everything you throw into your gullet. Yes. Has to be protected by the body from the external environment that you've just thrown in. Everything you throw in your mouth. You know, like you look at kids, everything goes in their mouth. So it's the way that the body is primed and its immune system is primed. So from mouth down is outside the body. It's actually not inside the body. It's protected by the epithelial layer, which is the barrier between the inside and the outside of your body. Okay, so you're not saying physically outside of the body. No, not not if you look at it like that. You're saying, but it's it's exclusive. Exclusive from the outside. Of, the of organs and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it, it's a tube. It has its own internal exclusivity. Mm. You know, have you so ever seen you those? it out from one end to the other, which apparently would go for quite some time. Tennis court, apparently. It would actually be hole to hole. Hole to hole. Oh, that's really unfair. Hole to hole. I'm just trying to... But, it, like, I don't know if you've seen that, that, that figure where you've got this never-ending ball. Like, it goes like this, you know, like... Go, I'm drawing this for you, everybody, <laughs> so you know. How are they going to see that? I know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do it, but it's like this this vortex that yes. just keeps going, and the skin yes. is part of the digestive system. If you have a look at it, and even even embryological terms, yes, it's all part of that that one thing that's protecting us. And then behind that is the immune system. Eighty five percent of your immune system is in your digestive tract. Because it's got to protect you from what you're throwing into your mouth. Got it. You know, like everybody throws everything down there. It's just ridiculous. And stop that, Kim Morrison. Some, some, some do things they shouldn't. Yeah, pretend. Well, oh, that's right. You go on. 
Anyway. Don't put anything in, in your mouth. mouth. You, you can't, can't chew. chew. <laughs> exactly. So let, let's let's just go back. You were talking about that young boy. Yes. You know, that young boy that yes, yes. the mother came to you That's and the young boy had the skin problem and she was surprised that you're talking about nutrition. Nutrition. That's because that's the way you think, Kim. But when you go to a doctor, your doctor sees the skin as separate from everything else that's happening in the well, body. Well, she had been to the doctor, and his she had a 10-minute consultation with him. He said he felt it was some sort of eczema or dermatitis reaction, um, not related to food. He felt that he had, um, had got an infection because the kid had fallen over, apparently, or something, and got an infection. This was just the infection hadn't cleared and prescribed. Antibiotics. Not only antibiotics, but also an, is it a, a steroid, steroid cream. Steroid cream. Yeah. See, that's that's what they're taught, and you, and they're not taught any different. Like this young girl, she was never taught any nutrition. And I just so want to say, course, our, our vets, yeah, are taught the same. same. Yeah, they don't talk. When somebody says, if a doctor or anybody says to you that your skin condition has nothing to do with what you're eating, run a mile. I would say the same thing. Run a mile. Find somebody else. Because you know what? The skin is made by what you put into your mouth. Absolutely. And if what you're putting in your mouth is creating a problem in the digestive tract that then goes to the skin, then it's what you're eating. It may not be directly, but it may definitely be indirectly. But then it is always direct because once it gets into there, it then affects everything in your body. I would even go so far as saying that once it's got to the skin... It's actually a lot worse than what you originally thought yeah. because to me you'll get the whispers on the inside at first. Like a sore tummy. Like a sore tummy, maybe diarrhea, diarrhea. maybe constipation, which is a big one with eczema. Um, you know, there's a lot of little mm. whispers going on on the inside, ulcers, cold sores, anything like that. By the time it actually hits the surface and becomes dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis and other skin conditions, I actually feel that there's been quite a few whispers going on beforehand. And even the diagnosis of Hashimoto's, um, thyroid conditions and and Graves, those, you know, even those conditions, they just don't happen overnight. No. You have, things have been happening for quite a while and you're just not listening to or you're not, not doing the right thing. So, you know, a girlfriend of mine called me just recently. Now, this is a, a friend who looks at what I do, um, has had me talk. Um, near her you know she's brought me to her suburb and asked me to speak in her community she um, has not given antibiotics to her child she gives no drugs to her child he eats um, a good diet as what she assumed that the diet would be and her son at the age of 10 has just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes wow is he overweight? No, 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 no. He's... So that's the other thing, isn't it? Diabetes, you don't have to be overweight to get diabetes, do you? No, that's type 2. Oh, type Talking 2. About type, type 1 is an autoimmune disease. Okay. Uh, so type 1 diabetes is, is, it's not about being overweight, it's not about uh, any of those, it's actually an autoimmune disease, which means it's exactly like the thyroid disease in that the body has lost its intelligence and it starts to eat the pancreas or parts of the pancreas which is called the beta cells so why would it attack that and not the thyroid like is there a reason why antecedents of our life who knows nobody knows so there's no like when you have a look into autoimmunity why does it attack the joints and become rheumatoid arthritis why does it attack the brain and you get dementia and alzheimer's why does it attack the pancreas and you get type 1 diabetes why does it attack the thyroid and you get hashimoto's or graves why does it attack um addison's with the adrenal glands so there's 
200 plus diseases that and they're growing that are all related to autoimmunity. They're even saying that the beginning of arteriosclerosis, which is the beginning of heart disease and, and stroke, is an autoimmune disease. So everything is coming down to this whole fact that it's an inflammatory response. Why does someone get a thyroid problem, another one get a pancreas, a heart? We don't know. But when she called me and told me that, you know, I'd done, I've done everything right, Cindy. How could this have happened, you know? And, and it is, it's sad, you know, you've done what you think is the best thing. And I said to her, what did the, you know, what did the dietician say? And she said, well, the dietician said that he should have white bread and I've got to count his carbs and then do his insulin. And um, I said to her, that you know there is a um, a relationship between celiac disease and type 1 diabetes and if there's a relationship there because what happens is what she basically said she said are you sure I should have white white bread what about if celiac disease things there's a relationship she said oh we'll deal with that when he gets celiac he may not get it oh my god so once you have one autoimmune disease you get another we know celiac diseases has to do with gluten so I look at it and I go well if, if it's a relationship between the two perhaps the celiac disease and type 1 diabetes has to do with gluten. Even if I didn't know that, I'd still be wiping it out of my diet. Mm. It, I would just get rid of it. So I said to her, number one, you need to get rid of gluten, but do not eat gluten-free. Mm. And what I mean by that is don't eat all those gluten-free products because it's a money-making thing mm. at the moment. Businessmen, not nutritionists, own, own it. It's just food. shocking. It's just shocking. So I said to her, and then I, I talked to her about, well, let me tell me what the, the person said to do about diet. And first of all, it was white bread, and then it was eat anything you want, just count your carbs, and then we'll deal with the uh, with the ins- how much insulin we're going to give. Now this child has still is still producing insulin, which means it's still got beta cells that are alive mm. and kicking and producing insulin. So I actually asked Natasha Campbell McBride about this, and I said to her, "What do you think about this?" She says, "Oh my gosh, if he's not been taking insulin for long." And if if we can get his gut fixed and he can go on the diet that she prescribes, which is the GAPS diet, we can cut his insulin down so much to the point where he may only need it once a week. He said, she said, what we've got to do, and it's like the thyroid, when someone has thyroid disease, when somebody has thyroid disease, what happens is that the doctor will say, look, you've got Hashimoto's, you've got an immune disease, the body's trying to eat it, let's wait till it eats the whole of the thyroid and then we'll be able to deal with it because we'll know exactly what the doses of, of um, T3 or thyroxine are meant to be. So this is their way of thinking. Whereas Dr. Natasha McBride, um, Campbell Mc... Campbell McBride. Campbell yeah. McBride, what she said is she said, why wait? Why wait for the body to eat it? Let's see mm, if we can save absolutely. the damn thing. Mm. Let's save it. And this is the way she does it. You know, she, first of all, you heal the gut, then you put the good probiotics in, um, and then you make sure that you, you stay on a, a, a specific protocol for a long period of time, and then let's hope we can save it. And this is what we've got to do with the thyroid. We've got to start saving it. We don't wait for it to be eaten all up and then deal with it with drugs because then you're on drugs for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, and when you, you realise that, that there are different ways that we think about health, there is the mechanistic way of health where we look at the thyroid and, yeah, let's eat it, then let's give you drugs, or there's the vitalistic way to health. And the vitalistic way to health is like saying, what you did, Kim, what's his diet like? What are you putting on his skin? What's his exercise? What kind of chemicals do you have in your house? You know, that's when you look vitalistically at, 
at these diseases. Mm. Mm. And well, actually, just you mentioned something that I did ask, what is her laundry powders like? Yeah. And she said, oh no, I just use one. Um, oh no, it's, it's I think it's a healthy one. She said it's got low irritant. Um, I can't remember the brand, uh, but it was a typical brand at a supermarket. And I said to her, honey, every one of these, every one of those products has chemicals that could, it could just, it could for him be as simple as chemicals. It could be. Mm. But I was interested in the fact that he was eating a lot of wheat and, and foods with chemicals in it. So, Cindy, it's pretty, um, you know, like we've talked a lot about the food and, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I don't know if the listeners are feeling the same, but it's, it's not that it's scary, but it's kind of frightening that we have these experts out there. I mean, I just saw on the news the other day the Diabetic Association's released a incredible cereal now. I know, with this power grain. Power grain called Barley Mix or Max or something. No, I heard about it last night. And, and, that, and these doctors were on there talking about this is the best thing out. Like, they've, they've, chemic, they've made this, this grain, the, the cereal. They've hybridised it. Yeah, I, I guess. they've made Have it. Have they not learnt? They've made it. No. And... But, but Karen, what I want to ask you, and why I asked this boy, the mother of the boy, you know, what's his stress levels like? What's his sleep like? A number of women that I've dealt with over the years that, that look at their bodies and they can't beat, they can't get rid of the last five kilos or they can't push that, that last five kilos. And we talked a little bit about this, Cindy, a couple of weeks ago about that last five kilos. How do you shift it? Well, I know that from what I've researched, the obesogens, these chemicals that, of course, a lot of it is the chemical side of it. But I want to ask you what you think of the mental side of it, because we talk so much with you about how um, we are what we think, um, what resists, persists. How would you be looking, now that we've looked at these last one and a half sessions all around the nutrition and, and chemicals, I want to ask you now what you think from the mental side of it. How is that affecting obesity levels, autoimmune disease, the way we see the world and how we are with ourselves? Do you, do you have a big part in that? What a beautiful question. She's been sitting very quiet over there, I have been she? sitting very mm. quiet, formulating my response to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were. I knew it was coming. Um, look, I have a, you know, because you girls focus on the nutrition, you're kind of my Bible for that. My view on it is that, you know, with any kind of illness or any kind of um, malfunctioning of the body in any way, shape or form, it's a combined, it's a combined mm. approach. It, it happened collectively and it has to be healed and recovered from collectively. So I don't actually believe that any one particular approach is the answer. I think there has to be a combination approach of mental, physical, emotional, chemical, the lot. Um, you know, I, I, I really think that you were talking about somebody who has a skin disorder and the skin is also the greatest organism of the body. And if anything's showing up in the skin, that's the number one trigger for me to actually know that there's something horrendous happening from a mental perspective because the skin's going to be the place that's actually going to show it outwardly when most of the mental disorders that we experience are a cry for help in some way, shape or form, or that it's a cry of, of um, dis-ease and it shows in the body so that it can be outwardly expressed, therefore outwardly healed and recognised and acknowledged. But unfortunately, we don't see it that way and we just let it go on and we put creams on it and we hope that it goes away, but we don't address it from where it's coming from. So I think that, you know, I think it's important to understand that what we think affects the way that the body then assimilates the environment around it. 
including our food and including our relationships and including the toxins and including the chemicals, the way that we see ourselves and our powerfulness or our powerlessness determines the way that our body interacts with its environment. And granted, we're in a very artificial environment. There's no two ways about it. And with what we've been talking about over the podcast and all 65 of them or 66 of them, it's all about trying to get our environment back to nature, as close to nature as we can possibly create it to be. But the reality exists. I mean, we, you know, you've got carpet in your house, you've got tiles on your floor, you've got chlorine in your water, you've got, you know, you really can't escape it, as you said last week too, Kim. So as much as we can try to get our environment to be as natural as possible, and I think that's vital, I think it's crucial, and I don't think we pay enough attention to that. I think that also we have to take a, another, a, another approach from a mindset perspective and saying, well, I have to get my mindset environment back to the most natural state that it can possibly be. And if we look at what that really means... I had a bit of a revelation even just last night on this because I'm doing lots. You know what I'm like. Um, I don't even need to explain what I've been doing. You know what I'm like. Yeah, we know what you're like. <laughs> because, <laughs> because if you think about the body in and of itself, if we take away all of the external forces and all of the external chemicals and all of that sort of stuff and we just consider that that's a normal way of you know, existing, the body in and of itself is relatively neutral. Because the skin is the skin, the heart is the heart, the lungs are the lungs, the kidneys are the kidney, the bones are the bones, the blood is the blood. So the body in and of itself is relatively neutral until we mess with it. So when we mess with it from a, from a chemical and a nutritional point of view, we're messing with the dynamic of the body's ability to function. Then we throw in, or you know, and it could happen either way, we mess with it in the context of I'm not good enough. We mess, and, and that sits underneath the feet of every single human being, and I don't make any exceptions. The I'm not good enough gene sits underneath the feet of every single human being. And even when we think that we are good enough, something occurs to throw us back to I'm not good enough, good enough again. You know, even when we get to being magnificent, say Richard Branson level, something occurs that makes him believe that he's not good enough, even though he's already amazing. And even though all of us are already amazing, something occurs which has us doubt ourselves or question ourselves. Now, the minute that happens, we're throwing this chemical cocktail through the body, which then has the body not assimilate its environment well, because it's an unnatural state of being. So what I want to, you know, a bit of a revelation that I had for myself last night. Ooh. Oh, no. All of, and it's kind of two-pronged because it's a lot of the work that I've been doing of late and I've been speaking about of late is that all the I'm not good enough and all the self-talk that we do, that chatter that goes on 24 hours a day, that's not really who we are. All that chat that goes on 24 hours a day is just stuff that we've made up based on our experiences and a past reality and a, and, a, and, a, and a feared future. None of it's actually real. It's all very fabricated. So if for a moment we were able to allow that all the chat, the person inside that does the 24-hour-a-day incessant chatting, if we were able to take that person and just take it out of our head and sit it beside us, just take all that chat and just sit it beside us, it can be a bit challenging to do it because that chat really wants to hang on because it's been with you all your life and you're very good at it. But if we can just for a moment take the chat, sip it outside of ourselves and just say, look, just for this moment, I'm just going to sit you over to the left-hand side of me just for a moment... What's actually left then between our two ears is nothingness. It's just silence. And out of that sensation... Oh, that would be really quiet for you, Kim. Honey, I have quite a lot of quiet moments. Mm. Where's my mind? Mm -hmm. Never mind. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Keep going. 
<laughs> yes. Quite rude, you two. A little. You bring it on yourself, love. I'm just... I was saying nothing in that moment, actually. I was... Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's back. There's my mind. So... If you We're think setting it, it out the side. Yeah, so if you set, I've set mine out and it's gone. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I take that part of me out every morning yeah. and I put it on my lounge and then Matt sits on it in the nighttime because I take that little person out of my head and I walk it onto the lounge, into the lounge and sit it on the lounge room, on the lounge suite and then I put it on Matt's side so that when he gets home, he sits on it. And it's a good place for it to be because I'd rather have all that incessant chat of what I am and what I'm not and could I and can't I and should I and shouldn't I and will I and won't I and what, you know, you know, all of that incessant chat, what all of that is doing, it's creating a cocktail of, 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 of hormones and chemicals that can't, that are way worse than anything we mm. can have inflicted on us from outside because those are being created on the inside and they're not only just there in the morning when you put them on your skin, but they're there all day, every day, 24 hours a day, and then you go to bed and you dream about what a butt face you are and that you're not good at this and that you're not good at that and that you're fat and you're not well and all that. You know, it's just, it's all, it becomes all consuming. It's actually, it's actually more toxic than... It's, in, it's insanely toxic. Mm. It's insanely toxic with a body that in and of itself is designed to be neutral. A body that's designed to follow instruction. You know, there's an innate intelligence that beats our heart and breathes us, so we don't instruct that part of it. But the rest of the body is designed to work under instruction, yet we don't... You know, the brain thinks us. We don't think the brain at all. You know, the brain... We wake up in the morning and the brain just starts doing its thing. It starts thinking its thing. We don't think the brain. We don't give the brain instructions of what we want it to think about or what we want it to create. We've never related to life that way. We allow the brain to just go wild and have its own little party and from time to time we might decide that we want to think about something or we want to become aware of something. But that awareness is fleeting. The rest of the time it's just this incessant, ongoing and exhausting creation of a toxic cocktail that fills the body left, right and centre 24 hours a day. And would I be right to say that if you're putting chemicals on you, oh, look, in it's just, you and adding... You're actually not giving yourself an opportunity there's to There's no even... chance. There's no chance. And we wonder why, and this is my view, we wonder why we live lives that are uphill all the time. Mm. We're always, and I, even I count myself in this equation, we're always looking to have something other than what's already here because what we have is exhausting what we have isn't working what we have isn't isn't you know it, it isn't functional it's overweight it doesn't look good we feel like crap so we're always looking for something other than what we have when real awareness and real conscious awakening exists when we can be with what is and be with the toxic cocktail that we are injecting into ourselves 24 hours a day. Be with it. Acknowledge it. Be with that that's the reality that we've created. And now if we want to create a different reality, we cannot do the same thing and expect the same, a different result. Mm -hmm. So if we got, if we're to look at what the human being does from a, from a physical and a metaphysical point of view, the, 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 the human being floods its body with foods that doesn't work for it. And marketing and all of that, you know, advertising and all of that. I mean, that all plays a part in it. And nutritional guidelines and the Australian Heart Foundation and the Diabetic Association. And we don't know where to turn. No, we don't. 
But if we're to think about if that's one end of the scale, what's the direct opposite? Mm. Instead of us saying, oh, well, I'll just take a couple of steps to try and change it. No, stuff that for a Mm. joke. Go to the direct opposite of what we're currently doing. So if we're to go to the direct opposite of what we're currently doing, instead of shopping from the supermarket, shop from the farmer's market. Just try that. And it's not because that's the right thing to do. It's the direct opposite of what we've been doing. And we know that what we're doing isn't working. Mm, you know, point. I, I had one point. lady too that said, oh, Kim, I love my perfume. I wear my perfume. I've worn it every day. It's, it's who I am. Mm. I said, I'm not, stop, I'm not saying don't wear perfume. I'm saying wear a natural perfume. So use rose oil or yeah. neroli or jasmine. And, and she couldn't. And I said, do you realize that that's what most perfumes were originally based on was these exquisite oils and plants? Mm. She couldn't get a head around, but she realized... And I've had emails from her since mm. saying she cannot believe just by changing her perfume to an, a plant-based oil how much her health she's lost weight. She's actually got onto your she has got onto your um, four-phase fat elimination protocol because she reckons she's now interested. Okay. She wasn't and, interested in this. And this is my point. This is one of the revelations that I had last night. Once we start the process, the body is desperate to return itself to its its most natural way of being. Mm -hmm. It's desperate to do it. But unless we start to become, unless, unless we start to get some level of awareness, unless we decide, well, what I'm doing isn't working, what else is possible? Well, I don't know because the information out there is so conflicting and there's so much of it and I don't even know where to start, we'll start listening to Up for a Chat for a start. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then look at everything that you're doing. Just if, if what you're doing is at level A, go to level Z and, and try that on. So instead of shopping at the supermarket, shop at the farmer's market. Go to the direct opposite. And instead of the self-chat in your head, stop trying to talk ourselves into being positive. For God's sake, if somebody says another positive affirmation and thinks that's going to save them, I'm really sorry, but that's just not it. Mm. We cannot talk ourselves into positivity. You just can't because the real, the, ab- the absolute definition of needing to be positive is that you are negative. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no point. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm. like it's, it's, there's no point. And I'm not saying the positive affirmations aren't... You know, I mean, I'm not making any comments about that. What I'm saying is stop trying to talk ourselves into positive. Because if we have to talk ourselves into positive, by definition, we're saying we were negative in the first place. Mm. So instead of, instead of even entering into any of that battle, the direct opposite of the mental chatter and the mental battle is to remove it. Don't try and talk it into something else because it's been with you for a long time. It do knows you, you. Do you mean, like for some people, <laughs> I'm just having this picture in my head, I've got this internal chatter going on and I want to remove it. I'm putting you over there and Matt's going to sit on you when you get home. Mm. And you go to the kitchen and she goes, no, you're not, I'm right here. Yeah, uh, and know, so like, this is, and that's the thing. And, and you know you're not resisting it. This is the real point. You're not resisting that that part of you exists mm. because it is part of you and what you resist persists. So you're not saying, I hate you, get out of my head. Absolutely not. What you're doing is you're becoming very strategic as to when it lives inside of your head rent free and the more you practice this technique the better and the longer you're able to keep it outside of yourself because it's been inside of you for a long time you're very habituated in the way that we are so if we want things to be different it's going to take a bit of effort but I can tell you one thing listeners it'll be the easiest work you've ever done Mm. because what gets left behind is the real you and the real you is this existence of purity this existence of neutrality and from neutrality, we can create something extraordinary or not because neutrality in and of itself is blissful. Mm-hmm. But while ever we've got all of that going on, we're trapped. So do the exercise. 
close your eyes if you need to, take the person inside that does all the talking, picture it stepping out of you and standing next to you and make it look like a little person and it would look quite blurred. And you might hear some mumbling in your imagination. You might. because it keeps trying to talk to you. Well, it does, and it will. Yeah. Every time I actually get visual on this, I just hear mumble, 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 and I walk it out into the lounge room and I hear mumble, mumble. No matter where I am in the world, I'll pop it on a plane, fly it home, stick it on the lounge, and I hear mumble, mumble, mumble. Even from bloody New York, I still hear mumble, mumble, mumble. Even when Matt sat on it? Even, well, no, I don't hear it then. You're doing good there. No, he's feeling big and hairy. Yeah, Smothers it. But there are times when I don't want that in my head. And if that was our best friend, that constant chattering, if that was our best friend and they wanted to hang out with you 24 hours a day and they never reconciled anything, they never actually came up with an answer, they never got complete with anything, it was always can I, can't I, will I, won't I, should I, shouldn't I, did I look fat and this is my bum being in these pants. Stuff it. Yeah. (laughs) That constant chattering never gets to anything. So if you had a best friend that did that 24 hours a day and never got to the point... You'd drive you insane. And you'd be shattered. You'd be exhausted. And hello, welcome to the human race. We are exhausted. We are exhausted. Karen, do you think, depending on environmental things, upbringing, what your parents used as laundry detergent, what your kids were fed, whatever, do you think that, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the fact that there's a chemical imbalance as a child and then we grow up with the story? Or do you think we have the story that is contributed to by the chemicals or the, the nutritional or the... Lack I don't of think it matters. Pick I, me, pick me. Okay, go. I reckon it's the story. I reckon it's the story. I reckon it's the story. Yeah. Because look at Anita Mojani. Mm. You know, almost on death's bed, they said she wasn't going to live more than in the next 12 hours. And she had that near-death experience and she wanted ice cream when she woke up, which was probably laced with lots of crap. And she, five weeks later, walks out without cancer because what she learnt was love yourself. Mm -hmm. Have a love affair with yourself. That was her number one and live a life without fear. And I really, I think what Karen is saying is just... You know, my dad always says nothing happens in the mind before and um, without it. Ha- no, nothing happens in the body before happening in the mind. God, I've heard him say it so many times. Why did I get that wrong? But it, I really think it's it's there because there's no. They say there is no. There all diseases are curable. It's humans the that's incurable. That's incurable. Mm. And you know, Bruce Lipton has done this work. He, there's a new. There's a whole new science out there called behavioural epi. Genetics. So what Karen's saying affects cell biology. Mm-hmm. So my belief is that it is that, you know, we're brought up in a society that, um, well, you know, I watched the ABC program, uh, which was Kids on Speed, mm. which was about ADD and ADHD. And you, you listen to these parents speak to their children. Some spoke with some respect but we're, bought, we're not taught how to help our children love themselves and live a fearful life, a fearless life. Well, I think it's all quite unconscious, to be honest, and you don't even realise what your behaviours are until it's compared mm. to somebody else. Or until you wake up, like well, Karen's telling us to do. We've got to wake up. I think nobody knows, though. This is the thing. Nobody knows the answer. That's why there are so many different answers coming out of the woodwork all the time, because nobody has the complete answer. No, well, I'm not maybe even suggesting... there's a whole lot of different answers for each individual. 
Well, maybe, yeah. maybe. And I think that I, I think that the, the, the question for me certainly is that I'm not so concerned about what's occurred in my life up until today. Granted, there's a whole history there and lots of memories and a wonderful photo album. But in terms of me having, I'm 44 now, and in terms of me having another 44 years, I don't want it to be the same sort of experiences that I've had in the last 44 years. I want it to be better. Mm. I want it to be more extraordinary. I want it to be more epic. So I can't do what I've done over the last 44 years in every way, shape and form. I've got to do the direct opposite if I want a bigger, bigger, better and more expanded experience. And it's not about understanding why it's been, or what parts have been wrong in the past or why that's occurred. It's just simply about me recreating in the moment, me recreating a new future for myself in this moment and the next moment and the next moment. I don't have to go back and review and revisit and pull apart. I mean, we can do that. And psychologically, sometimes there's great value in doing that. But I think also there's enormous responsibility that occurs when we say, well, I will create new in this moment, which then means I will do the direct opposite of everything that I've done and I'm just going to try it on and see what happens. Mm. Who knows? Mm. It could fall flat on its face. But I tell you what, I know how to live the last 44 years. I know how to live that way. That's not that bad. It's been pretty good. I can't mm. really complain. So worst case scenario will be the same as what I've had. But if I want more, I've got to be prepared to do the direct opposite. So that's one of the, the revelations that I've had is that the direct opposite of the way that we think is not to try to convince ourselves to think differently. It's not to try to use willpower to not eat the chocolate. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about actually removing the voice completely because what's left is the authentic, real, pure version of ourselves that from there there's no commentary. There's no yes and no's and shoulds and shouldn'ts and cans and can'ts. There's just none of that. All there is is pure... There's a purity and there's a peace in that moment which then from that place sends a cocktail of purity and peace through the body. And the longer that we can sustain that and teach our children to do that, then our kids don't end up with the same issues that we have. Because think about this for a second, just for a second, and this was one of the revelations that I had last night. When we look at the body, and this is just like confirming or, you know, for me in my mind, bringing me back to that the body is actually neutral... When we look at the body microscopically, the cells, the skin, the eyes, the organs, all of it, when we look at it microscopically, right down to its most minute, it actually disappears to nothing other than a measurable vibration. There's no actual substance mm. when we look at it, the most, most minute microscopic view. There's no actual substance, but what there is is a vibration, like a, an energetic vibration. So then what makes... What makes me look at Cindy and look at you Kim and say that you're actually there what makes me look at you guys and say that now I know that the eyes can't perceive at that microscopic level but if they could I would actually see nothing but a vibrational speed in front of me rather than an actual person that has hair and a facial expression and all I wouldn't see any of that so how come then if we know that that's true and we do know that that's the reality. And the same is true for the plants and the animals and all of that. It's just different vibrational speeds. Why do we relate to everything as if it's so real and so vulnerable and so fragile when the truth is quite the opposite? When the truth is quite the opposite, where, where, where we relate to ourselves like we are this finite being when the reality is, is we're actually... Not that at all. It's just that our eyes can't see that any differently. So we get very attached 
to what we look like and how it feels and all of that sort of stuff. But when really we go to the gut, it's not even there. Mm. It's a very, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that right now. But I it's think when you said before about, um, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a positive thing or, or you know, like positiveness and affirmations and things mm, like that. Mm, mm. What I found around meditation or affirmations mm. or anything around positivity, when I'm truly at one, truly at source, yep. those words just... They're just... It's they're just, just words. It's, and it's the most natural way of being. When I'm not and I'm looking at something that says... I am wealthy, you know, if, yeah. I, if I'm looking at it from a money point of view, I am wealthy, I have everything I need. You look and go, oh, whatever. Like you actually... It's such crap. It's, it's, it's like when it's not she the truth... She actually stuck her two fingers up at herself. <laughs> but when it's not the truth, there's almost a negative attachment to the words. Well, because the, the, the very... When, but, but, but if I was thinking in a healthy sense, well, what is wealth? Wealth is my health, my life, I'm vibrating, I'm here those words would not have had meaning. What, what I'm trying to say is... I get it. We, we, I get it. Yeah, we place we, we, meaning. We go in search of the affirmation to fill what we don't already have and we think that's going to do it. Mm. But the reality is we've actually already got it. It's just that we don't relate to ourselves that way. We relate to ourselves as somebody that's poor or somebody that's overweight and somebody that's ill or whatever the case is. But the real, real truth, when you take that voice outside of your head that never reconciles anything and that is constantly putting you down and second-guessing, 27,000 times a day you put yourself down. 27,000 times a day the voice inside of you tells you that you're not good and that you've stuffed something up. What's the point? And you have people it, say it, don't you? Oh, you idiot. And what's the point of having that live inside of your head rent-free yeah. when all it is is self-destructive, when the self is not here to live a life or an existence that's less than? The self and the existence is here to be powerful, potent, and fulfil its purpose. And it mm. can't do that from a place of next, of second best. Can we, can we just put it in a bit of a practical form? Mm. Very tough. Yeah, Good I know it's that. really... I know it's really tough, but let, let's just put it in a practical form. So I've been watching on the ABC, um, and, and this can go with any disease. This could be the thyroid, um, anything. But I've been watching on um, the ABC. There's a called Kids on Speed. And I put a post up on Facebook about it just saying, can you believe they're not even talking about diet? You know, they've got a, um, a paediatrician for drugs. They've got a, a clinical psychologist to teach parents how to parent and they have an educational person. So they're the three realms that they've got in there. And they didn't touch on food, they don't touch on, on what's happening in the kid, you know, what, what is he thinking, yeah. things like that. But they didn't even touch on food. But anyway, I put something up on Facebook and this one girl came back and she made the comment something uh, like this. She goes, Cindy, you have no idea. I can't stand to read your opinions anymore. No, I didn't put an opinion up. I just asked a question. Oh, my goodness. You encourage discussions about messy homes, poor food choices. I'm an ADHD mum, and we do it tough. Uh, we are toxic-free, all organic and organised, um, and I'm sick of your bullying and your judging. And so I went back to her. I felt for her. I actually really felt her pain. Mm. And so I went back and I said, um, I understand that this is a sensitive issue. I really do. Um, and sometimes it's just that one more thing that you've got to do. Mm. So I suggested a couple of things. She came back and she'd done that. And then a couple of other people suggested, I think, done that. A couple of others suggested a couple of, done that, done that. Nothing works. Oh. And yet... 
when you read the rest of the feeds, the rest of the feeds was, I did this, worked a treat. I did this, worked a treat. She believes that nobody else has a child with ADHD, only her child has it. Yeah, right. There's got to be something else at play, Karen. Well, there has to be something else at play in that house, in well, her she's head. En- she's enabling the, the behaviour. She's an enabler. You know what you were talking about last week about your girlfriend? You were sending the young girl, mm. she was sending a young girl off somewhere so that yeah. she could recover from her food addiction. Yeah. Well, it's the best thing they, they can actually do is because, you know, we tend, to, we tend to attract what we need to have us feel complete. So for some reason, the mum needs to be enabling her son's disability or her son's issue. So she's either enabling it emotionally, chemically, physically, uh, nutritionally. She's enabling it in some way. Therefore, of course, she feels like there's nothing that, that fixes it because she's the enabler. And the kid is also getting that same fix from his mum because he's getting his attention or he's getting whatever it is that he needs. Oh, I can see this is going to bring up some controversy. <laughs> we'll expect um, we'll expect lots on our up for a chat, no doubt, especially with mums who have this. But I, I think people who may be listening to up for a chat may be thinking a little bit differently by now about. Well, I think it's about. It's, I think it's about. You know, nobody is wrong in those equations. No. You know, it's nobody's. And here's the thing: we are all perfect, and everything is always perfect there's never anything wrong with anybody the only time that it becomes a problem is when we say that it's a problem we believe that it's a problem and then we relate to it like it's a problem and then we choose to do nothing Mm. to change the situation except say you've done everything well you know you've never done everything i agree because while ever the problem still exists you've never done everything And we've got to look to ourselves, step one. And and as we've said, we've got to look to ourselves nutritionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, chemically. We've got to look in all areas. It's not just a one-size-fits-all, you know. And And don't you guys both agree that life is ever-changing anyway? Like one day you can be on top of the world, even if you have a special needs child or a... And you can look at them as the most amazing gift in the universe. I've got friends who've got a Down syndrome and they talk often about her... Sorry, him being the most extraordinary gift they've ever been given. Yeah. Um, and then on days where they're tired, exhausted, they haven't got enough money to pay the bills or whatever, then all of a sudden it's like the biggest burden in the world. Mm. Um, do you think both of you, um, therefore, like to expect life to be perfectly perfect, perfectly all the time, is just a total... That, that's not being human? No, I think we've got to look at life differently. This is, and this is another way of looking at it. Instead of us wanting life to be perfect, what's the direct opposite of it? Opposite of perfect, well, it's purposeful. So instead of thinking that our life should be different to what it is, and this was the point that I was making right at the beginning, let's try to just be with what is. Let's be with the fact that our child has ADD, ADHD. Let's be with that. Let's be okay with that. Let's accept that that's where it is, and from there we can create something new. But while ever we're resisting it and saying that it shouldn't be that way, we're then seeing it is not, it's not purposeful in my life and your life. It's very purposeful. And it's very important that this relationship exists between the mum and the child and, you know, whoever else is involved. It's very purposeful and very important. But the problem exists when we don't see it that way and we land up with all this chatter about how it shouldn't be like that and we wish it was different and, you know... I love Byron Katie for that. Oh, 
it's just... It's, is it true? Yeah. Is, is it true? really true? Yeah. And I think that's the greatest thing I've got. And you've just given me such an, an aha on... I mean, this whole two podcasts have been around the thyroid mm. and we've actually got right to the source, haven't we? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, I feel people who have these conditions need to really look at what they're thinking mm. and really maybe a day even, Karen, where they're actually really checking themselves all the time about the thinking. Mm. Then after that day realise they don't want to live with that girlfriend anymore. Yeah, or that boyfriend, or the boyfriend, whatever it is. But look, on the stage over the weekend, she did that so well. No one wanted to live with your girlfriend in your head. No, it was hysterical. <laughs> and and I just and when you were doing it, I went, you would never want to be around someone like that. And yet we, you know, people are around that themselves. In- that lives in their head, like you said, rent free, constantly badgering them all the time and no wonder we're exhausted and and we can't think our way through problems we can't solve anything because there's the constant commentary there's no there's no ability to resolve anything you know and so if we just look at that lady with her son there's no ability for her to resolve anything because there's no clarity there's no there's no nothingness for her to create from and the same with her young kid you know, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no peace there for him. But she's got to get it first because he doesn't even know where to start. Mm. So when she does it, then she may be able to, you know, help him. But I think it's, you know, I think in closing, I think one of the greatest things we can do, because I don't think we just, you might tell me I'm wrong, but it's not like we go from being this, this constant chatting, maybe negative thinking being into this unbelievably enlightened soul in, the, in, a, in a matter of seconds, like mm. it, it's going to take practice. It, um, she's looking like she's already there, um, <laughs> but I think it's work. And so I think that's where it comes back to how we started the whole podcast. We're putting things in place, like looking at your chemical, um, nutritional, and physical side. Um, almost putting those those routines, those 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 structures in place, allows a bit of rest and respite for the mind. Because it's kind of like, well, I'm doing this, this, and this today, and I haven't got the fight in my head because it's not, you know, I'm saying I should go for a 20-minute walk, so I'm just going to do it. And then while I'm doing it, I'm actually not doing the fight in my head if I should have gone. Um, or perhaps by not wearing perfume anymore, as much as I didn't want to, didn't want to give it up, well, hang on a minute, I'm actually going to use rose oil now. And now I'm not fighting the chemical thing around that anymore, but it might allow room for more negativity, it may. <laughs> Put our podcasts on and just listen to us all day. And then we'll us, your, let us be the chat between we'll your be two ears. Between your ears. I'm God, serious. Why you probably well, why not? Rubbish. Put a different chat between your ears. Yeah. And you know what? Anthony Robbins says you can change. <laughs> thank, thank you. You can change like that. Mm, and you actually, you actually mm. can. But yeah. it does take effort. Mm. You've got to be willing to try it. And I think, but I think yourself can, all the time. But right? I think we yeah. can change like that. Like in a moment, mm. I can feel that unbelievable mm. purity. At moments through these podcasts, I get those moments of mm. just true and utter bliss in something either of you have said or that's something we've discussed. And I go, oh my gosh, it's so easy. And then she comes in and goes, yeah, well, have you tried this and have you done this and da da da? And, and the chatter comes back. But I think we go on in and out of waves of it. And I think it's practice. If, and if when that chatter comes back, you've just got to decide to think your brain. Mm-hmm. So instead of your brain thinking you and you just allow the chat to go wild and have a party with itself in there again, you decide, no, I'm thinking my brain. So chat, out for the day. Just for another 
for as long as I can hold you out, I'm going to hold you out just for now. Mm. It's a really good meta- metaphor, you know, to get it out of your head and to really, yeah, to really think um, it differently. Look, I think it's holistic. I, I think we have to look at everything. Yeah. And I don't know which is first, the chicken or the egg. I know. But let's work with them all. And it's yeah. not hard to work with them all. Start, you know. Well, some people, I think, will find it easier, the yeah. mind stuff. Yeah. Like, I know we've had Sandy on before. Mm. And from a mind perspective, she's got it nailed. But from a physical point of view, she admits she hasn't got it nailed. Um, and I think some of us will probably nail it physically. Some of us, like you, nutritionally, there's just no negotiation on what you'll do with your body. And and for Karen, who'll probably do it a lot easier than you and I ever will, um, mm-hmm. as far as her understanding around the mind stuff. But I agree with you. It's do what comes naturally first, maybe, out of those four areas. Maybe the one area that really you find the easiest, focus on that because that can be your anchor. And really try and think about those other three areas that can really get you through and recognize that you're in recovery Mm. we're all in recovery you know you've got to recover before you can recreate so I think recognize that we're in recovery when there's things going on in our lives that are incongruent with our ideal and recognize we're just in recovery so if we slip we pick ourselves back up again what's that we're tips uh, tarts in progress. That's right. Yes. <laughs> mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the podcast today. At least it's been a bit thought-provoking. Mm. Um, and I think, too, hopefully it's been informative for you guys around, certainly for me, Cindy, I'm just going to be totes all over your iodine when it, come, iodine when it comes in. Um, and that salt. Got to get my hands on that salt. Mm. I've got your other one, but I've got to get the, my hands on that double one. That sounds awesome. So everybody, we'd love to hear your feedback and we'd love to hear what your thoughts are and we'd love to hear your perspective on whether it's easier for you personally to approach mindset or to approach physicality or to approach your nutritional needs in order to get your life to be purposeful and ideal. What's easiest for you? Post on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear because I think it's it's actually part of our research to find which way people tend to slant. I think that's, you know, that would be really cool to hear. So go to our Facebook page, all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And you can also get us on all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com. I got it right. Forward slash up for a chat. <laughs> and post your comments there. And join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We can't wait to see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.